thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. We're moving on to a story that is here in South Africa and looking at how COVID-19 has changed community engagements in South Africa's low-income areas. Small stories, big ideas, massive inspiration. And of course, this is a story that may be sitting in uh, the pages of uh, the news, but not necessarily on the front page. On the line with us, we've got Dr. Myrna van Pinksteren, who is a research coordinator in the Division of Social and Behavioral Sciences at the Department of Public Health at the University of Cape Town. Dr. van Pixteren, what is the research that you've been putting together with regards to how we see community engagement taking place? Uh, good morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, so um, as with the University of Cape Town and within the Division of Social Behavioral Sciences, we put together a project called ILAM, where we try to meaningfully engage community stakeholders um, in the quest to better link men to HIV care. And we do that by sharing HIV information across a range of various stakeholders, which include um, health workers, as well as community leaders, as well as community participants and of course the researchers that we work with. In this way we really try to um, do meaningful um, community engagement by really um, engaging with the people who we are trying to research and that has been going on for the last five years quite successfully I must say. So Dr. Van Pinksteren, as you heard from our last interview, which is uh, from Nigeria, there is a Mm. shift in how people engage with one another and certainly how they start to see their role as citizens and the expectations that they have, not just as citizens, but also from the public sector as well. What are you seeing with regards to this in your communities? Yes, um, absolutely. I think that people in communities, in, in especially in and around Cape Town, have always have always been very active. But especially during this COVID, um, this COVID period where we all were in lockdown, people have really uh, firsthand experienced how things can shift uh, very quickly, and how people can lose jobs and uh, food security, and how lack of hygiene that are. Um, and individual taps and toilets that are always ongoing issues have really come to the forefront and that there was a need to do something about that, to raise those issues with government um, and to create partnerships with the people that around them, with other NGOs and other organizations to actually tackle this um, these issues firsthand, especially when government wasn't able to literally come in during lockdown uh, to assist with uh, with a lot of things due to social distancing. And I think a lot of community groups, including the people I've been working with, um, have been really creative in finding solutions on actually how to mobilize communities and not just inform them, but mobilize them to, you know, take action for themselves. And you've seen that uh, all around Cape Town, including with them. Uh, the CAN campaigns and the Facebook uh, the groups that have been created, that people really stood up for each other but also collaborated together, whereas a lot of NGOs normally, within the health services especially, work very much in silos. So if we look at the partnerships that they've created, and you said they've come up with some really creative ideas as well, then let us know mm. what are some of those creative ideas that they have engaged with when you look at issues of social distancing during a time of COVID? Yes, um, absolutely. So we work mostly uh, with uh, MCSDA, who is, uh, which is the movement of 
um, change and social justice. And what they did during the COVID campaign, they immediately teamed up with um, a clothing factory uh, in one of the neighborhoods in Cape Town who were creating masks, who were developing and creating masks for the people. And they actually teamed up with them. They got uh, people in to get sewing lessons. Uh, and in return for the labor that they provided uh, by doing the sewing lessons, they actually got more than 15,000 masks uh, distributed in the community. And they're still that's still an ongoing campaign. So that is one of the creative ways that they, uh, you know, try to use their own resources um, to actually help out and get masks delivered within the community. And uh, they've reached out to partnerships like UCT to also help and assist with uh, small donations, but also with getting protective gear, etc., um, helping out with transport money so people could actually safely do their work. Um, furthermore, they've used several strategies that were very prominent within the HIV activism space. So they use personal testimonies to go door to door to people and to say, you know, if you contract COVID, it's not so bad. This is the steps you have to go through. If you feel like you have any signs or symptoms of COVID, please go to your nearest um, to your nearest healthcare provider and actually get tested because people were really scared and they thought that also um, the health services were you know, like one of the reasons why people got COVID. So people were very hesitant to go and test and they, through their personal testimonies, they actually were able to, um, you know, take that fear away a little bit and also to help with like the tracing um, with the Department of Health where they actually would go and do contact tracing in the most vulnerable communities where people wouldn't, um, government officials wouldn't be able to actually go to. So perhaps what's also interesting about this is in order to ensure that people are getting the message, it has to also be peer-to-peer. It has to be from Mm. you to me and not necessarily be top-down from government and the like. It has to be from someone I trust within my own community. And that could be a traditional leader. It could be a religious leader. It could be someone that I just believe is a good friend and I trust their judgment on many, many things. Who is um, coming on board with regards to that kind of leadership? Yes, exactly. I think a lot of people have been coming on board with with that leadership. Uh, What people with MTSJ did, like the members of uh, the community, what they did is they took mostly English um, pamphlets, translated them themselves into Corsa and printed them out or asked for the government to actually send them Corsa. Uh, pamphlets to say like, you know, we want to to speak to people in our own language and with that go door to door uh, with branded t-shirts saying like we are from a trusted organization um, and this is sort of the message we want to deliver to you. Um, and I think that that has been really important and that sort of creates a ripple effect. If you inform people and educate people about a certain issue, then they become sort of lay experts, they call it, call it, who can then distribute their message to their neighbors or their family. Uh, because as with the same way with HIV um, stigma, there was also a lot of COVID stigma, especially in the early days yeah. of the lockdown. And a lot of people which... Um, we often take for granted a lot of people did not have the access to information uh, that you get on the internet or through uh, social media groups. And that, that has been a really important strategy. Do you think that we've learned a lot from um, the HIV uh, treatment campaign and, and the learnings from that particular space have uh, supported us in the space that we are now? 
Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I know that MSF um, has used their own uh, treatment campaign to actually do door-to-door outreach during COVID, but also do uh, testing and screening for HIV at the same time, which was a really good combination because they were able to reach people um, and actually almost kill two birds with one stone. But also just the, the HIV um, activist strategy, such as trying to share information around uh, a certain health issue and to inform and educate people about what the right uh, knowledge is uh, and therefore take away sort of preconceived notions of stigma has been really important and uh, tech has always been really good at that and that's been one of their flagship uh, campaigns for the literacy health literacy programs which has been very instrumental in this uh, COVID-19 campaign but also that that what I mentioned before the sharing of personal testimonies mm. uh, positive testimonies that actually say you know it can happen to all of us it can happen to everybody around you but please you know uh, stand up for yourself if you feel like you have symptoms take responsibility and uh, go for treatment because it's also highly contagious so um, and, and take that responsibility and be an active citizen in a way. And that is very much something that the HIV uh, activism space has always tried to do as well. Fantastic. Dr. Pinksterin, uh, I'm going to ask you something completely off topic. We've been talking okay. to our listeners about the idea of receiving a book as a gift. And I want to know, mm-hmm. if you're going to have to rack your brain here, what's the last book that you received as a gift and why was it a good one for you? Oh my God! Um, <laughs> I last book I've received as a gift. Um, I received yeah I received a book uh, from my friend who uh, actually wrote a book about mourning the death of her parents as a young person as a wow. you know a person growing up and I think that was an amazing book because she brings to light a topic that is very um, much under discussed in uh, different regions of the world, how to mourn your parents when you lose them at a very young age. And due to the personal testimonies that she interviews, a couple of my friends as well, that has been um, a very valuable work for me. Unfortunately, it's in Dutch because (laughs) I'm from the Netherlands, but that is the last book that I received. Fantastic. You're going to have to give our producer the details for that book and uh, we'll put it out nevertheless. That's Dr. Myrna van Pinksteren, (laughs) Research Coordinator in the Division of Social and Behavioural Sciences at the Department of Public Health at the University of Cape Town. And I have to say, a book about uh, how one mourns the death of one's parents is absolutely prescient given the current COVID-19 crisis and uh, the deaths that we are seeing around the world, particularly people who are over the age of 60 and 70.